Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. episode 103 on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. A little chilly yeah, in the Atlanta metro area, area, but we just thank God we're able to come before you once again on today yes. as we continue with season four. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to continue with God. We're going to focus on God. Mm-hmm. And we started our focus on God on last Saturday at the episode 102, where our topic was the King family and this connection to Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yes. And what we did, we, we were celebrating uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's Jr. birthday on January 15th. And then the Monday following, mm-hmm. we watched the beloved community commemorative, commemorative service at the King Center on TV. Yes. And we thought it you know, would be nice to do an episode reflecting on that connection between the King family mm-hmm. and Ebenezer Baptist Church, which actually, to our unbeknown interest, was started by his maternal grandfather, which is his mother's father, Reverend Williams. But we also realized uh, during that service that we were impressed mm-hmm. with the keynote speaker. I'm talking about attorney, Professor Brian Stevenson. His message was right on point. And it just touched our heart. I tell you, it just gave us inspiration. And so we decided. Now, since this was the 15th, which was MLK Day, Mm -hmm. there was 15 days left before the actual official start of Black History Month. So we said, we're just going to extend it. We're going to extend it from the 15th through February. And we actually put our Black American History flag up. On the 15th. So we're, ext- sure. we're officially extending it from January 15th, MLK Day, through February. Yeah. So today's episode, episode mm-hmm. 103, season four, we're going to continue to focus on God. And our topic is, Lord, have mercy. Because Brian Stevenson wrote the book and also produced a movie, Just Mercy. Yes. So our subtopic, our subtopic is like a prayer. Mm, <laughs> it's a prayer. Right. Really, you know. That the Lord will have mercy on the poor, the incarcerated, the disenfranchised, and the condemned. And the Lord will have mercy on this attorney and his team of advocates. Yes. If y'all agree with us, that's that's a a common phrase. But literally, Mm -hmm. when you uh, journey with us through this podcast, you will see why we're asking the Lord to have mercy. Yes. Before we get started, though, we want to give a special shout out, excuse me, to our fellow podcasters here on BS3 Network. There is so many of us 
Um, and if you have not had a chance to check us out, we encourage you to do so. Mm-hmm. And we all are operating in that spirit of excellence yes, under yes. none other than our son, mm-hmm. our leader, our fearless and tireless leader, yes, yes, Ben yes. Sutter III. That's mm-hmm. where BS3 comes from. Some right, people right. may not know that. That might <laughs> seem obvious to us. Right, but right. yes. Ben Sutter the third, Mr. Podcaster, Mr. Podfather oh, himself, that's it. That's it. That's it. the visionary and the energy yes. behind this BS3 mm-hmm. network. So if you have not uh, reached out to him and you're interested in getting started in coaching, mm-hmm. his information is on the screen. Yes, he offers coaching yes, uh, yes. To, to connect with us at BS3 or right. to do right. your own thing. Right. Yes. Right. He is selflessly Mm -hmm. offering that coaching. Mm -hmm. And also, if you have not done so, download BS3 Network on your Roku devices. There is the link right there on your screen. We'll give you a moment to to capture that. And uh, take advantage of all the content that is is uploaded every day. Mm -hmm. Some on demand. I mean, it's just so much for you to choose from. Uh, You will not be bored, believe me. And if you'd like to reach out to us, our email address is on your screen. Please do. Yes. We want you to just take a look at BS3 Network in depth, mm-hmm. uh, in an in-depth way right, uh, right, on right. this upcoming uh, video that we'd like to share with you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. BS3 Network, changing the way you watch TV. So we're going to get started with this bad brother, Brian Stevenson. I tell you, yes. he was born November 14th, 1959, the same year we were born. Right. He's an attorney or lawyer, social justice activist, mm-hmm. law professor at New York University Law School or School of Law, and the founder and the executive director of EJI or Equal Justice Initiative. Yeah. Brian Stephen grew up in Milton, Delaware, a small rural town located in the southern part of Delaware. Mm-hmm. His father, Howard Carlton Stevenson Sr., had grown up in Milton, and his mother, Alice Gertrude Golden Stevenson, mm-hmm. was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where we also have cousins that currently reside there. Right. Her family had moved to the city from Virginia in the Great Migration of the early 20th century. That's when Blacks was leaving the mm. segregated, racist Jim Crow law South. I'm telling you, leaving in droves yes. because of the limited employment opportunity in the South mm. and also for better job prospects up North. Instead of, it's right, instead of working in the cotton and tobacco fields. Yeah. Stephen had two, Stevenson has two siblings, his older brother, Howard Jr., and his sister, Christy. Now, both parents commuted in the northern part of the state for work with Howard Sr., working at General Foods Processing Plant as a laboratory mm-hmm. technician, and Alice, his mother, as an equal opportunity officer 
at Dover Air Force Base. Oh. Now she particularly emphasized the importance of an education to her children. Mm. Now the Stevenson family also attended the Prospect African Methodist Episcopal Church where Brian Stevenson was a piano player and also sung in the church choir. Mm-hmm. His later views were influenced by the strong faith of the Methodist Episcopal Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church, where churchgoers were celebrated for standing up after having fallen down. These experiences informed his belief that each person in our society is more than the worst thing they have ever done. Let me say that again. Mm. So his beliefs is that each person in our society is more important than the worst thing that they've ever done. Which brings me to my first scripture, Psalms 37, 23 through 24. It says the steps of a good man are ordered Mm -hmm. by the Lord and delighted in his way. Mm -hmm. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down Mm -hmm. for the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. Yeah, Yeah. you know, this scripture kind of reminds me of Donovan Clerkin's song. We fall down, but we get up. So we're going to try to sing just a little bit of it, (laughs) if you don't mind. Right. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. For same is just a sinner who fell down and got up. I love the vent where it says, get back up again. Get back up again. Get back up again. So even though we fall down, we get up as a people, which also brings me to my Second scripture, which is Roman 3, mm. 23 through 24. Mm-hmm. It says, for all have sinned and That's fall it. short of the glory, glory. of God. Mm-hmm. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when Stevenson was 16, mm-hmm. his maternal grandfather, Clarence L. Golden, was stabbed to death in his mm-hmm. Philadelphia home by robbers. And the killers received a a life sentence, an outcome that Stevenson thought was fair at the time. Mm -hmm. But Stevenson also looked at the murderers because he said, my grandfather was older and this murder seemed particularly cruel. But I came from a world where we value redemption over revenge. So as believers, my brothers and sisters, we all have to practice the teachings of Christ Jesus to forgive and have mercy on those who have fallen short of his glory. No, Jesus words from the cross, which is Luke 23, 34. He says, father, Mm. forgive them Uh for they know not what they do. Yes. So as a child, Brian Stevenson dealt with segregation and also its legacy. He spent his first classroom years at a colored elementary school. But by the time he entered the second grade, his school was formally desegregated. Mm. But the old rules, old rules from segregation still applied even up north. Black kids played separately from the white kids. And at the doctor's or dentist's office, the black kids and their parents had to enter through the back door Mm -hmm. while the white kids and their parents went through the front door. Right. Pools and other community facilities were informally segregated. But Stevenson's father, having grown up in that area, took the ingrained racism in his stride with his mother. <laughs> Their mother noted that this was not right. Mm-hmm. And in an interview in 2017, Stevenson recalled how his mother protested today that the black kids at the town lined up at the black door, excuse me, the back door, mm-hmm. for the polio vaccination station in order to receive their shots and had to wait hours 
until the white kids who went through the front door received their shots. Mm, mm, mm. So being at this age, same age as Brian Stevenson, we we experienced this this type of segregation yeah. in public schools and also white-owned businesses as well in Hickory, North Carolina. I remember mm. going to the movie theater, Carolina Theater. Yeah. And we had to pay the same amount when we went into, but we had to go to another section or go up the stairs on the side stairwell to oh, go to the balcony, to the balcony right. because we couldn't sit on the first floor. Right. And then we want refreshments. To go to the concession stand, we had to go through another side staircase down the back and we got our food, our popcorn and our candy and whatever out the back door of the concession stand out of a little slot. Sad. Sad. I remember as a little boy looking through that slot and I could see the very pretty front of the concession stand, the lobby with the beautiful carpet and the nice glass cabinets where you receive your refreshments. Uh -huh. I always thought about, it'll be nice to be able to so go through the front to, door. Yeah, walk on that carpet. Walk on that carpet. Exactly. The beautiful chandeliers and beautiful glass cabinets and able to get my food from the front. So uh -huh. we experienced this segregation yes. in the South. Also yes, in school, in elementary school. Uh -huh. Me and a classmate of mine, Bridget Murray, was a first two black kids mm -hmm. that went to Kenworth Elementary School. Only two in the school. And it just, I noticed how when we received our class photo, wow, Bridget and I was not included in the class photo. So they, they wiped y'all out. It was only white, wiped us out. See? Either they told us the school was closed that day, or they wouldn't let us go into the, the, the room where they took the, 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 uh, the photo, the picture. So on our class photo in the first grade at Kenworth my, Elementary my, my. School, the whole class was considered white. They excluded us as two young black kids. So we experienced this segregation in the South that our brother Brian Stevenson is talking about. Yes. Thank you for joining Brian Good D. Evening. Williams. Good he evening. says, that's crazy. Shaking my head. <laughs> that's the way it yeah, was. Yeah, that's the way the it was. I'm yeah. telling you. And to think in 1959. Right, right. You know, and it's, it was a very interesting time for us. Um, and I remember, mm -hmm. you know, uh, predominantly uh, most of the employees in the stores where we would shop were right, white. Right. So when we went into the store, had money in hand, mm -hmm. God forbid we didn't, you know, we're not coming in there trying to steal, not on right. my mama's name. Right. That was not happening. So mm -hmm. we were ready to shop and buy. And we're greeted with all this, you know, what you, what, like what you doing in here, right, look, right, right. you know, the stare and mm -hmm. the connotations, like, right. what can I help you with? What are you in here for? Mm -hmm. uh, and just, just downright hateful. Right. Um, right. And I have siblings that are albinos. So mm -hmm. here I am, the darker one, mm -hmm. with a sibling that was, you know, mm -hmm. much lighter right. uh, with the cat eyes. And then they would look at us like, okay, what is she doing with this black girl? Mm -hmm. uh, but I also lived on the east side. My husband right. lived on the other side right. of town. Right. <laughs> uh, but we were bused to school. Right. And so I remember getting on the bus. And uh, the white kids that were on the bus would put their entire body mm -hmm. in the seat. Mm -hmm. You know, they would have their uh, backs up against the edge of, the, well, the outside of the bus mm -hmm. or the, you know, the wall of the bus. Right, right. And then they put their feet mm -hmm. all across all the seat across. so that we had to stand up. Right. And so, you know, lots of fights. Mm -hmm. I'm telling y'all because a lot of the, the black guys were, right, they weren't right. tolerating it. Right. And right. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to stand up. Forget mm -hmm. it. It ain't going to take us that long. And mm -hmm. we're falling around on the bus, mm -hmm. you know, just mm -hmm. downright rude. Right. Even right. a bus driver, you mm -hmm. know, but I still reflect on that today. I cannot escape that treatment, that mm -hmm. experience, mm -hmm. that history is still in my mind. And right. so Right. There are times when, yes, I do remember and mm -hmm. I get very angry, very frustrated mm -hmm. uh, and it gets activated all over again. Right. You know, uh, right. we got some of those little special neighbors around here mm -hmm. that really cause it to rise up. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I, I'm not tolerating it right. in this right. state of right. Georgia, even mm -hmm. in California when we lived there. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just kind of, you know, underlying like low grade racism. Right. Uh, but still, it, we noticed it and we picked up on it. And, and no, it wasn't it wasn't funny at all. Right, right. Uh, that's right. We were we, we had money. We were ready to shop, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. we get treated like that. That's right. Uh, 
Yes. That hurts just Mm -hmm. hearing it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And shaking my head again. I still do that. It's heartbreaking. Even in Mm -hmm. 2023, Mm -hmm. it still happens. Right, right. So Brian Stevenson attended, you know, Cape Henelope High School. So when we were going to high school, he graduated in 1978. We graduated in 1977. But when they integrated, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, thank God, after the first grade, uh, my mama sent me to Ridgeview Elementary in the second grade, Uh and which was uh, predominantly black, all black high school, elementary school, middle school before they integrated. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get that culture of Ridgeview uh, school systems. And, and I forgot and, to mention that. Sorry. I, I did one year at an all black school. My <laughs> uncle was the principal too, right, right, you know, right. in walking distance. So mm-hmm. you're right. That, that foundation was there. Right. I, right. I really love that. So I can at least, you know, thank you. I can at least, uh, you know, have that pride of attending review, even though I only went to the elementary because, you know, we reported on this before in one episode about right. the untouchables now I have that that history to where I was a part of Ridgeview because the untouchable right. Ridgeview High School actually means uh, unscored on and also undefeated season, which never done before. Mm-hmm. That's in collegiate high school, no sports around. So I was able to enjoy that. But they yeah. did buses in junior high school. Yeah, We went yeah. to uh, segregated, uh, integrated school, junior mm-hmm. high school, and then and also high school, Hickory right. High School. And we also experienced uh, a race fight at Hickory High School when we oh, were yeah. actually sophomores. And because the upperclassmen, the juniors right. and the seniors had a problem, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a race fight because of uh, biscuits. Somebody, Somebody threw a biscuit. Threw a biscuit. That's <laughs> right. And hit the brother upside the brother head. Upside it, was, the head. <laughs> it was on it and was it was on. seriously popping. on like, I'm That's telling you, it. I'm telling you. So, and I got suspended because I came in with my fists up. I had, <laughs> Irene was on my side. Black power. Black power. That's it. But yes, this this did happen in the, the early 70s and the 70s. That's so, it. Stevenson, he attended, Brian Stevenson, Cape, Cap, Cap, excuse me, Henlopen High School and mm-hmm. graduated in 1978. He played soccer as well as on the baseball team. Mm-hmm. He also serves as the president of the student body. Mm-hmm. and won American Legion public speaking contest. Mm. His brother Howard takes some credit for helping him hone in his, his rhetorical skills. Wow. He said, he said we argued the way brothers argue, but there were serious arguments inspired, I guess, by our mother and the circumstances of the family growing up. Stevenson earned straight A's and won a scholarship to Eastern University in St. Davis in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. On campus, he directed the campus gospel choir. Mm -hmm. Stevenson graduated with a BA, Bachelor of Art degree in philosophy from Eastern in 1981. In 1985, Stevenson earned a JD degree from Howard Law School, which is the Jewish doctrine, also known as the Doctor of Jewish Prudence which is a graduate entry professional degree in law and one of several doctor of law degrees. Mm. And he also earned an MA, a master of arts degree in public policy or MPP from John F. Kennedy School of Government also at Howard University. So doing law school Mm. as a part of a class on race and poverty litigation with Elizabeth Bartlett he worked for Stephen Bright's Southern Center of Human Rights, mm. an organization that represents death row inmates throughout the South. Wow. And doing this work, Stevenson found his career calling. Wow. I, lo- I just love this brother. <laughs> uh, Brian D. Williams says, it's still segregate- segregated like that here in Chicago mm-hmm. to this very day for the most part. Wow. Uh, that's Is it. that right, mm-hmm. Brian? We we are planning to travel to Chicago this right, year. Right, right. Didn't know you were in Chicago, <laughs> so uh, drop us some hints yeah, on where yeah. to go and what to do, and we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe even hook up. Uh, I've never sat in a classroom with non-black, non-black students mm-hmm. elementary. That's right. Yeah, with non-black students right, elementary right. high school, and my university was all black. All Look black. at that. Praise God. 
Yes, you, yes. That's a blessing. That's yes, a blessing. I yes. wish we could say that. <laughs> I wish we could say that. So frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, but as we mentioned, Brian Stevenson, this this brother is phenomenal. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. An acclaimed public attorney, interest attorney, mm -hmm. an activist, uh, uh, an advocate, mm -hmm. and dedicated his entire career. He says that his career is not compatible with marriage. Right. <laughs> this brother is focused. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm impressed, and I'm kind of wondering about the brother. But anyway, uh, he's focused on helping the That's poor, right. the incarcerated, right, right. and the condemned. Mm -hmm. Now he's the founder of, uh, ex and the executive director of right. EJI, which yeah. is Equal Justice Initiative, right. and that is a human rights organization in. Mm -hmm. Amazingly enough, Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama. That's right. Uh, that's that's right. why I said, Lord, have mercy on this brother. <laughs> In the deep of the deep south. Right. Um, and this, this organization was established um, to end the death penalty, right. to stop racial biases, and to do something about the poor conditions of confinement. Right. right, um, right. And, and through EJI, they provide legal assistance to people on death row uh, of whom that are innocent mm -hmm. or wrongfully convicted. Mm -hmm. And we know that we hear of this day in and day out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I love what he does. Um, they, they represent, you know, uh, there's representation at trial, right. on appeal, even in post-conviction mm -hmm. uh, proceedings to people that are facing execution. Wow. That's every phrase. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's outstanding. And what I love about them is that they have documented widespread mm -hmm. racial biases in the administration of the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they challenge. That's right. Look, they go toe to toe with this racial <laughs> discrimination in the jury selection. Mm -hmm. Wow. We could get that in every state with all these killings going on in the sentencing and throughout the system. Wow. I love it. Mm -hmm. If the Lord could just clone that brother <laughs> and send him all throughout the United States, they protect vulnerable people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are facing execution, including people with mental illness. Wow. I've got some instances to share with y'all that are, that just blew my mind, mm -hmm. um, who are definitely at risk, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and they produce reports about capital punishment and the ways in which public safety can be undermined by relying on this expensive mm. and flawed punishment. All right, all right. Now, EJI was set up in 1989, and it began in Montgomery, Alabama, mm -hmm. and it's doing a remarkable work. Now, little did I know, Alabama does not have a public defender system. Wow. Look at that. So a lot of these people can't, they can't mm -hmm. afford an attorney. Mm -hmm. So then guess what? They don't get good representation. Right. And so Alabama, another fact that I just found out has the highest mm -hmm. death sentencing mm -hmm. rate in the country. Mm -hmm. And from the very beginning, Brian Stevenson wanted to take and as many cases as possible. Right. From the very beginning, this man has worked tirelessly mm -hmm. and he thinks of wrong of a wrong conviction as any conviction where the law mm -hmm. has not been followed. And I right. quote, he also thinks you can be properly convicted, mm -hmm. but unfairly sentenced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the word of God grants us with the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And, and God's mercy and his amazing grace in Psalms 51 and, and 1. And I read, have mercy upon me, O God, mm -hmm. according to thy loving kindness, yes. according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, mm -hmm. blot out my transgressions. Yes, now that's yeah. mercy, forgiveness, grace, all wrapped up in one. You're okay. talking about wiping the slate clean. Yeah. Blot it out. Right. Right. My God. So EJI, under the leadership of Brian Stevenson and, mm -hmm. and all of his fellow attorneys that are on the same page, mm -hmm. they have won some major, major legal challenges, such as eliminating excessive and unfair sentencing. Wow. Here's a prime example. Uh, they have argued and won multiple cases at the United States Supreme Court level. Mm. 
Can y'all believe that? In a ruling in 2019, protecting condemned prisoners who suffer from dementia. Wow. As well as landmark rulings in 2012 that banned mandatory life imprisonment mm. without parole sentencing for children 17 and younger. Can wow. you believe... How are you going to have somebody on death row 17 and younger? <laughs> Another major legal challenge was exonerating innocent death row prisoners. Mm. Mr. Stevenson and his staff have won reversals, wow. relief, and release from prison. Yeah. Listen to some of these statistics. 190 people have been exonerated and released from death row since 1973. Wow. Mm. Mm. A thousand five hundred and forty-eight people have mm -hmm. been executed mm -hmm. in the U.S. since nineteen seventy-three. Mm -hmm. That's a lot, and for every eight people executed, one person mm -hmm. on death row has been ex exonerated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One out of eight. Mm -hmm. So this is a excellent, excellent example. April third, twenty fifteen. Mm -hmm. EJI one. Anthony Dre Henson. Ray Hinton's mm -hmm. release after he spent 30 years on death row mm -hmm. for a crime he didn't even commit. Mm -hmm. They just trapping brothers, right. you know, putting the, putting the crime on them and they had nothing to do, nowhere in the vicinity. Right. So mm -hmm. he was one of the longest serving death row prisoners in Alabama history mm -hmm. and among the longest served condemned prisoner to be freed <coughs> mm -hmm. after presenting evidence of innocence. Wow. So, you know, they charged him with two capital murders based solely on the assertion that a revolver, get this, was his mother's revolver. Mm -hmm. So they just put the, you know, put two and two together and just charged him, mm -hmm. uh, you know, falsely. Right. Uh, so, you know, here's a quote also from EJI. They said the death penalty in America is a flawed, expensive policy mm -hmm. defined by bias and mm -hmm. error. Mm -hmm. It targets the most vulnerable people in our society mm -hmm. and corrupts the integrity of our criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. And so that corruption goes from Alabama to the state of Georgia, any mm -hmm. anywhere and everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so here's another success story. And I love this. This gentleman was mentally ill. Wow. Uh, he has dementia. Uh, he's convicted of shooting, mm -hmm. you know, a mobile police officer. And mm -hmm. so he was, you know, on trial, could not recall. His mm -hmm. dementia was in full effect. Mm -hmm. And so now they've realized uh, after the fact, he was on, uh, tried a second time, mm -hmm. convicted and sentenced to death. Wow. Uh, the courts again found that prosecutors had engaged in misconduct mm -hmm. and illegally convicted him. And now get this, the expert who concluded that Mr. Madison was competent to be executed mm -hmm. was illegally abusing narcotics mm -hmm. at the time that he conducted his evaluation of the case. Right. Right. So right. thankfully, so this this uh, examiner was convicted and charged with felony drug charges. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. you know, you 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 can't point your finger and, and don't see the other four that's coming mm -hmm. back at you. Mm -hmm. You it. know, that's and it. so uh, EJI has also helped out, you know, young adults right. that were being tried as adults. Mm -hmm. Now, this one was a tearjerker for me. This mm -hmm. young man. Uh, his name was George Steiny. Mm -hmm. He was executed when he was 14 years mm -hmm. old. Mm -hmm. How is that possible? Right. Apparently, he did not kill two young white girls. Mm -hmm. uh, and then get this, they exonerated him 70 years after, after. he became the youngest mm -hmm. person executed in the United States in 1900s. Mm -hmm. In South Carolina, a judge ruled he was denied due process, mm -hmm. all because EJI pursued that. Right. But the young man was executed. executed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, George Steiny, he was mm -hmm. so small that the straps in the execution chair were too small. Wow. They couldn't even fit on his wrist. And mm -hmm. they had to set him up on a book. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I cannot imagine. Wow. I man. cannot man. imagine. Man. Exonerated 70 years later. 70 years too later. Late. Too late. <laughs> Thank you. Deceased. I mean, 
credit to EJI for bringing this to our attention and and going through the process. Uh, And thankfully for the judge that realized this was not right. Mm -hmm. But after the fact, Mm -hmm. this young man never got the chance to live his life. And so there's innocence and error in our justice system. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, here's another quote. Our death penalty treats you better if you're rich Mm. and guilty than if you're poor and innocent. And as a result, a stunning number of innocent people Mm. have been sentenced Mm. to death. Mm. And then you wonder, we've been having this conversation all week because Mm -hmm. it's just like, It is bringing up the anger. You wonder why our black people look and you see our our Mm -hmm. Mm T-shirts. We're geniuses. okay? but we're getting fed up with this treatment. And then they wonder why. Why are they acting like that? Why are they you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not condoning the the burning and the looting and all of this, but we're we're upset. We're angry. We're mad. And so there's also inadequate counsel Mm -hmm. in the justice system. So the death penalty is mostly imposed on poor people because they don't have any money. They can't afford to hire Mm -hmm. an effective, expensive attorney. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're, you know, most of our people are in a catch-22 situation. Mm -hmm. And so Brian Stevenson has uh, thankfully come up with initiating Mm -hmm. a major new anti-poverty and mm-hmm. anti-discrimination efforts that challenge inequality right. and disparity in America and in this justice system. Mm-hmm. So he and EJI are credited for successfully opening mm-hmm. two highly acclaimed cultural sites that right. opened in right. 2018. Wow. One is the Legacy Museum and the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's two, I do believe. That's two separate locations. Okay. Um, and if you don't have that on your list, we have not gone, we have not seen, but I know we're going to be in right. for enlightenment yes. uh, to bring light to all of this stuff that goes on. Now, these mm-hmm. new national landmark institutions mm-hmm. chronicalize the le- legacy of slavery, right. lynching, right. and ro- racial segregation. Right. Right. And it connects the mass incarceration and contemporary issues of mm-hmm. racial biases. Mm-hmm. We've got to go. That's right. That's been right. added to our list, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. along with the ones in Birmingham, Alabama. Right. Uh, right. So as was mentioned before, if you have not seen this movie, Just Mercy, mm-hmm. or if you'd rather read the book, they're both available. Mm-hmm. He has tremendously impacted the courtroom, right. but he has also had incredible, has incredible influence mm-hmm. on Hollywood. Right. Uh, This made the big screen, y'all, just mercy (laughs) and an unforgettable true story about the potential of mercy to redeem us and a clarion call Mm -hmm. to end this mass incarceration in America. Mm -hmm. And it's been said over and over again that they're just building more and more jails to put who in our black men. The majority of our black men. But Mm -hmm. like you said, what did you say earlier today? Mm -hmm. You can't stop. You can't stop the... (laughs) The, the the scripture that says uh be fruitful and multiply right 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 it's not gonna be stopped <laughs> so That's just it. mercy tells the story of eji from the early days mm-hmm. with the small staff facing the nation's highest death sentencing and execution rates mm-hmm. through a successful campaign to challenge the cruel practices right. of sentencing children to die in prison to revolutionary projects designed to confront Americans with our history of racial justice. Mm -hmm. And so the first client was Walter McMillan. Mm -hmm. You got to see this movie. Mm -hmm. It's a young black man who was sentenced to death Mm -hmm. for the murder of a young white woman that he did not commit. Here we go again. The case exemplifies how the death penalty in America is a direct descendant of lynching, a system that treats the rich and guilty better Mm -hmm. than the poor and the innocent. Mm -hmm. So if you were not able to read the book, which came out in 2015, Mm -hmm. or watch the movie, which came out, thankfully, we were able to see it before this pandemic. It came out in 2019. We strongly encourage you to do so. 
And reading some of the reviews of this book were so deserving. And to hear someone say that when people talked about it to them, they saw, um, they just saw uh, things in a different light. Right, right. You know, they were definitely uh, inspired. They mm -hmm. were in awe. Uh, probably just never knew. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know, but right, when right. they do find out the treatment that our people have received, mm -hmm. then they're you know more receptive to receiving and understanding right, from right. our perspective. And this book, look, it, it changed the way that they saw life mm -hmm. and they see the world. Mm -hmm. But this book and this movie has not only changed that, but they changed, you know, they see that... Um, we we were mistaken all along. Right. Maybe right. that's what they've been taught. But mm -hmm. now they have switched over right. um, and we've won them over. Or he's won them over with this mm -hmm. movie. Um, and I still believe, you know, mm -hmm. we've made progress over the years. Right. We right. are, you know, we have not overcome, but mm -hmm. we shall. And right. we right. we are. Mm -hmm. And thank God that, you know, we are getting closer and closer to uh, seeing more and more change right. and right. Uh, the tables being turned where we're mm -hmm. not being convicted for the wrong and we're not the ones that are always mm -hmm. doing the crimes right. and the right. and the white you know people that are that they are getting convicted mm -hmm. granted they probably won't serve the full sentence right. but let's call that a win mm -hmm. so we were talking about you know how we can start to make some impact mm -hmm. on those that are near and dear to our hearts right. and where do we start in the home start at home pray mm -hmm. over them daily mm -hmm. right. whether if it's right. your children your grandchildren your great-grandchildren mm -hmm. pray for a hedge over them That's right. keep the dialogue open with them and fluid you know you want to know their their friends you want to know their whereabouts mm -hmm. and spend quality time with them we can't just brush our kids off anymore right. they right. are going out into this mean and evil world we mm -hmm. need to educate them you know, give them insight mm -hmm. and just remind them that, you know, it's some, it's some stuff out there you don't even want to be involved right. in. Right. Deter them from walking down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. We have that opportunity now. Take advantage. Keep them involved in things and activate, you know, them into things that sparks their interest. Right. I remember when our kids were growing up, mm -hmm. I, my husband used to always say, I'm going to tire them out. They ain't going to have time for boys and, and no trouble. You know, I used to think our poor kids, Lord, they'd be so tired from volleyball and band and karate and sports. But right. now, you know, I appreciate that. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. Keep them active during the summer months. Our kids, they were in my school in the summer. Mm -hmm. They went to, to the public school, but in my school, they had to do book reports, mm -hmm. go to the library, you know, all kinds of things. Right. Up right. their educational, you know, skills. So when the school started in, they didn't fall behind. Right. Right. That's what we got to do. Right. Keep them off the streets late mm -hmm. at night. We were just talking about that. Right. There's right. not a lot of community centers. Uh, there's Boys and Girls Club, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you can create something. If you're a teacher and you're out, you know, have all the friends come over and do some a book club. Right. Right. There's so many things that we can do because that's the problem. When our right. kids are out and about late at night, you know, remember when the street light used to come on, where where were you supposed to be? In the house. Right. That right. doesn't take place anymore. And then we can we can avoid all of this, mm -hmm. you know, keep your hand on the steering wheel when the mm -hmm. police stop you, you you'll be home. Right. Oh, you know, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time and he got shot and, and my life was spared. That's that's the Lord trying to tell you something. Right. So remind them, here we go, to avoid people that means them no good, mm -hmm. avoid the places that are questionable. Mm -hmm. And of course, if they second guessing, should I be here? Mm -hmm. Remind them the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Go home. Right. Go home to your family. Make that home environment a place where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And you had talked about earlier. Can mm -hmm. you can you mention that how maybe the home environment? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, maybe the environment is not conducive to, yeah. to them uh, having a, uh, a influence or getting some positive influence. So they leave the home because of the home. Unfortunately, yeah, may not be the place to, of safety even at home. You know, That's sad. it may not be safe, and they may not have the the materials or the 
the ability to use certain things to learn and to grow at home. Right. Especially if it's a dysfunctional home. I mean, if it's That's dysfunctional, right. uh, you know, you only have one parent household. That's right. And you're not sure what's going on. So a lot of these kids sometimes escape the That's dysfunction right. at home when they go out in the street. And unfortunately, yeah. uh, they get into even additional, you know, danger or trouble. That's right. Even criminal activity yeah. trying to get away from the problems at home. That's true. Mm -hmm. And then we take things for granted, you know, mm -hmm. uh, books at home, read a book, you know, right. get on the right. internet. Some of these right. kids don't have a book, mm -hmm. internet, what? Right. They don't right. have a computer. Mm -hmm. So the things that we take for granted, I, I, you know, we, we've got to help in our community the best, the mm -hmm. best way that we can, in spite of the rising cost right. of everything. Right. You know, if you got some books, you can donate. You know, there's so much we can do mm -hmm. that's right in our home that we can, you know, make a make a difference. Okay. Um, one mm -hmm. other thing I want to mention is a true justice documentary. I ran mm -hmm. across that on EJI's website. Right. right. January 2020, HBO did a documentary mm -hmm. on EJI and Brian Stevenson. Uh, check it out. Mm -hmm. It's it's just well done. Uh, and just walk through his 30 right. years right. uh history of, of what he's done to help mm -hmm. the poor, incarcerated, and condemned. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to run through some of his awards. This man has so many. Wow. Um, I wish I could, but check it out EJI mm -hmm. website, the prestigious MacArthur Foundation Genius mm -hmm. Look, mm -hmm. Genius. <laughs> prize mm -hmm. the aba medal the american bar association's highest honor right, right. what a blessing you know mm -hmm. you got to keep your nose clean to be an attorney mm -hmm. and you get the highest honor as a black man mm -hmm. the national medal of liberty for the american civil liberties union right. after he was nominated by the united states supreme court mm -hmm. justice by justice john stevens mm -hmm. Now he's received the Alabama State Bar Commissioner's Award. <laughs> and then in 2004, he received the award for courageous advocacy from the American College of Trial Lawyers mm -hmm. and also the Lawyer for the People Award from the National Lawyers Guild. Wow. Wow. I love it. So he was awarded the NAACP William Robert Ming Advocacy Award, mm -hmm. the National Legal Aid and Defender Association Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm -hmm. I love it. And in 2012, he received the American Psychiatric Association Human Rights Award, wow. the wow. Birmingham Civil Rights Institution Fred mm -hmm. L. Shuttlesworth Award, mm -hmm. and the Smithsonian Magazine Award, wow. In Ingenuity award and social progress. Mm -hmm. So there's so many, so many, many. Every year the man is awarded mm -hmm. something. And even True Justice, the documentary won an Emmy Award wow. for Outstanding Social Issue Documentary. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I want to close with this one last scripture before we get to the final scripture of today. And it's in, uh, and I'm just declaring this over Brian Stevenson's life. It's Second Chronicles mm -hmm. chapter 15 verse 7 and it says be ye strong therefore mm -hmm. for i'm sorry be ye strong therefore and let not your hands be weak wow. for your work shall be rewarded all right is all that right. appropriate or what the brother <laughs> is gonna get rewarded yeah and yes. he's got a hedge of protection god's got him hemmed in for mm -hmm. 30 years this man been doing this work mm -hmm. in the deep south now, we pray that the Lord continues to protect him, to shield him, mm -hmm. and to keep Brian Stevenson in his care uh, as he do this work of activism and advocacy. Right, and right. that God continues to bless his efforts and give him an extra portion, mm -hmm. an extra portion. you got to have wisdom, courage, discernment, strength, and peace. Mm -hmm. And may the Lord have mercy on the poor, the incarcerated, the condemned, and may the Lord have mercy on EJI, mm -hmm. Equal Justice Initiative. It's fierce and fearless leader, uh, Brian Stevenson, the attorneys, mm -hmm. and his team mm -hmm. that worked tirelessly alongside of him. 
Amen and amen. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, before we get to the closing scripture, I got some statistics for you. Okay. Uh, you know, Brian Stephen, he initiated the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama, mm -hmm. which honors the names of each of more than 4,000 African-Americans lynched wow. in the 12 states of the South from 1877 to 1950. Wow. He argues, he argues that the history of slavery and lynching mm. has influenced with the subsequent high rate of death sentences in the South, mm. where it has been disappropriately applied to minorities. Mm. A related museum, the Legacy Museum, mm. from enslavement to mass incarceration, offers interpretations to show that the connection between post Reconstruction period mm. of lynching to the high rate of incarceration and executions of people of color in the United States. Mm. Now, the Reconstruction era was a period in American history following the American Civil War, 1861 through 1865. Now, it lasted until approximately uh, 1877. Now, during the Reconstruction era, what it did it attempts were made to rebuild the country mm. after the bloody Civil War, wow. bring the former Confederate states back into the United States mm. and to reinstate the political, social, and economic legacy of slavery. So lynching, lynching was the, the widespread occurrence of the extra-traditional killings, which began pre-Civil War South in the 1830s and ended during the civil rights movements in the 1950s and 1960s. Mm. Now, although the victims of lynching were members of various ethnicities, mm. after roughly 4 million enslaved African-Americans was emancipated, they became the primary target of white Southerners. Mm. Lynching in the U.S. reached the height from 1890s to 1920s and the primary victimized ethnic minorities. See, most of these lynchings occurred in the American South because majority of African-Americans lived in the South. Right. But racially motivated lynchings also occurred in the Midwest and on the border states. Mm. This is another reason why Black folks were leaving the South and migrating to the North and even to the West like we did mm -hmm. to escape these racist tactics. A lot of classmates who stayed ended up being alcoholics or, yeah. or being addicted to drugs or even dying at an early age right. because of these conditions. Right. Lynching followed African Americans with the Great Migration, 1916 to 1970, out of the American South and were often perpetrated to enforce white supremacy and intimidate ethnic minorities along with other acts of racial terrorism. Mm. Now, a significant number of lynching victims were accused of murder mm -hmm. or attempted murder, accused yeah. of rape or attempted rape, or either other forms of sexual assault were the second most common accusation. Mm. So mainly, like Irene mentioned earlier, mainly white women accusing young black men or young That's black right. boys Right. who they were attracted to for looking at them mm -hmm. or, or, or touching them, like Emmett Till, for example, or getting caught in an act of having some type of consensual relationship that they was embarrassed about, so they would basically lie on these young Black men. Yeah, yeah. But it's often used as a pretext for lynching African Americans who were accused of violating these Jim Crow era uh, etiquettes and engaged in economic competition with the white, you see, the white community didn't want, they didn't want to see black folks advancing mm -mm. or being successful in business, similar to what led to the Tulsa race massacre, mm -hmm. also known as the Tulsa race riot or the Black Wall Street massacre. Right. And the other similar massacres across the South, like in Wilmington, North Carolina, mm -hmm. November the 10th in 1898, or in Rosewood, Florida on January the 1st in 1923. Mm. So one study found out there were 4,467. I'm going to give you these statistics in numbers to actually the count. Mm. Total victims of lynching from 1883 to 1941. Lord of these me. victims, mm. 
4,027 were men, 99 were women, 341 were unidentified gender, mm. although mostly males who were probably castrated or dismembered or brutally beaten mm. to be unrecognizable. So mm. out of that, 4,467 victims, 3,265 were black, 1,082 were white, 71 were Mexican or of Mexican descent, 38 were Native American, mm. 10 were Chinese, and one was Japanese. Mm. And the most common perception of lynch in the United States is that they were only hangings. This is mind boggling due to the public visibility of the location, which made it easier. Now listen to this, for photographers to take photographs of the victims. Oh. Some lynchings mm. were professionally photographed and the photos were sold as postcards, which became popular souvenirs in parts of the United States. Lynching victims were also killed in, in various other ways, being shot oh. or burned alive or thrown from a bridge or even drugged by a car, etc. Occasionally the body parts of victims were removed and sold as souvenirs. Lord have mercy. If the black person was famous like Nat Turner, for example, in 1831. Mm. Lynchings were not always fatal, though. We had some mock lynchings, which involved putting a rope around the actual individual's neck, mm. who was a suspect, who was trying to conceal information, and they would use it as a tactic to get them to reveal the information. Mm. Sometimes used to compel people to make confessions. Yeah, you know, yeah. lynch mobs they they varied from just a few to thousands, mm. and some of them were actually viewed by women and children. Oh my! Now, according to historian Michael J. Pfeiffer, the prevalence of lynching in post Civil War America reflects people's lack of confidence in the due process of the U.S. judicial system. Mm. He links. The decline in lynchings in the early 20th century to the advent of the modern death penalty and argues that legislators renovated the death penalty out of direct concern for the alternative of mob violence. Pfeiffer also cited that the modern rationalized or rationalized excessive of urban police brutality, mm. profiling, and killing in the 20th century are after as bearing characteristics of lynching wow. that we even see evidence of today. Mm. So April 26, 2018, in Montgomery, Alabama, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice opened, founded by EJI, mm -hmm. Equal Justice Initiative of that city, that was created by Bryant Stevenson. It is the first memorial created specifically to document lynchings in African-Americans. So we salute this yes. brother, Bryant Stevenson on the day for all that he's done. Yes, sir. And all that he's brought to the forefront and how he's chronalized it and he's memorializing it mm -hmm. by creating these actual museums and these yes. national memorial museums for us to visit so that we can see what the black people our people went through mm -hmm. so we can't brush it under the rug we can't practice this 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 race uh theory mm -hmm. in order to eliminate what our children needs to learn and also white children needs to learn what we went through in That's this country it. in this country so we thank him and we salute him for that yeah anything before this closing scripture well, I was just going to say the museum, it doesn't, it only costs $5 for you to get in. So there's, right. there's not a cost factor. And also, you know, maybe that'll, we always say these scared, these scared straight mm -hmm. tactics, Mike, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. might be one good one. Right, right. To keep right. our black men safe. That's it. That's so it. you guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank, thank you. you. We thank appreciate you. your support. Yes, yes. So our closing scripture is Psalms 37, 1 4. We're going to give you some encouragement as we close. I know yes. these are some, some dark statistics, and I know yeah, we went through some, some things that are, are kind of, you know, unfortunately sad to think about as this country has went through. But listen to what Psalms 37, 1 and 4 says as we mm. leave you with this. Mm. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. That's right. 
Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou dwell in the land. And verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord. Yes, Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Yes. May God bless you and keep you. Thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate you and continue to have a blessed weekend. Yes, thank you. Go Eagles and go Niners. <laughs> <laughs>